1: Welcome back to turf show times podcast comma the I'm Kenneth Arthur and with me every week J.B. Scott we talk about the Rams that were the Rams that want to be and this week the Rams that were beat the Cardinals 20 to 12 and the Rams that want to be have a game this Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara so on the road and hope to be three and one first place in the nfc west sending the 49ers into a one and three tailspin potentially but with the 49ers you never know what you're going to get and six out of the last seven times it's been a 49ers win so certainly uh that's why the 49ers have a little bit of favoritism also as well as being at home uh for the betters out there one and a half point favorites but also uh you know, because the 49ers have done so well against Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan uh, up until the NFC championship. And even in that game, as I sometimes forget, 49ers were en route to a victory there in the fourth quarter until uh, Kyle Shanahan's fourth quarters turned up again. So to talk about the 49ers, maybe to touch briefly on the Cardinals again, I don't know what's left to be said. Uh, We're going to get into it right now. Uh, So, JB, uh, any thoughts that come to your mind four days after the last game, maybe uh, some uh, instant feelings you had after the Cardinals game as compared to a few days later with more time to think about it, whether that's Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers, Sean McVay, Raheem Morris, uh, whatever storyline out of that game, Kyler Murray to take from it. What are your thoughts here a few days after the Rams 20 to 12 victory?
0: Yeah, I think this offense is still rounding into form. We saw a mistake-free game from Matthew Stafford. I think that's incredibly encouraging. Um, The running game got going in spurts. You know, the late turnover by Cam Akers certainly hurts, but um, they're not up to the normal standard on offense in terms of production, and that's okay because they're going to get reinforcements back on the offensive line at receiver. So I think there's going to be improvement made over time. My main takeaway is, wow, that defense and Raheem Morris's game plan, it just worked to perfection, and you ended up, just kind of giving the Cardinals their own rope to, to take, to take it out of them. So um, I think it was really impressive. They just, they ended up running the clock out on themselves and they strung all these drives together, you know, double digits in the amount of plays they were running on each drive and they didn't come away with a single touchdown and um, they contained Kyle Murray in the pocket, forced him to make the short throws and they tackled him in bounds and just kept the clock running. It was so impressive. And, If that's what we're going to see from this defense, where you keep the cap on them and keep them from pushing the ball down the field, I think it's a sign of very encouraging things to come for the Rams. And um, Raheem Morris, he's a rising star. Um, We'll see if he can keep it up for the remainder of the season.
1: We also saw the Rams, you know, as I said, in first place, Also get a divisional road on the divisional win on the road. And so it's good to get one of those and trying to get a second one in back to back weeks here uh, with the 49ers um, You know, I, I was thinking about optimism versus pessimism, and it seems like so far the Rams fandom, it's kind of running the gamut, you know, and and as it should, you know, there's there's been good and bad and maybe more good than bad when you really think about it. And certainly I think looking around the NFC, we can see why the Rams are you know, one of the top teams looking so far through the first three games, at least uh, even despite that week one loss. So where do you think you fall more on the spectrum of optimism and and pessimism about three games? Do you feel better about the team uh, now than you did at the beginning of the season? Maybe better about the team's position as compared to the rest of the NFC or the NFC West, certainly um, as the Rams are the only team above 500 you know it's really early in the year but yeah how much do you think your awesome op, optimism or pessimism uh, has fluctuated here in the first three three weeks
0: yeah and we're on week four it's it's incredible how fast it flies by and it seems like just yesterday we were talking about rams and bills so it really goes by quick but i think one thing the nfc is wide open I know teams like the Eagles have really separated themselves. The Vikings kind of look like the maybe the best team of the North, potentially, depending on how the Packers' offense comes together. But I just really would have liked the defending Super Bowl champions to grab the reins and really fill that void. And I, they look a little bit lackluster so far. Uh, I think you haven't really played some great teams, after, aside from the Bills. And even though they looked unstoppable in the first couple of weeks, they've really come down to earth. So uh, you gotta you got to be – Uh, pleased with wins over the Falcons and Cardinals but I'm not really sure you have a victory you can hang your hat on and say we really downed a good team and we showed our potential things really haven't the Rams haven't fired on all cylinders yet and you really want to see a game where they really put it together as a team in terms of offensive production scoring points not making mistakes and on defense uh, just really rushing the passer covering the receivers down the field and, you know, the Cardinals game is probably their best effort in that regard. But um, I think you got to see the offense really score points. And that's something I want to see. So I think there's lots of reasons to feel good. You can probably talk yourself into the Rams being a 500 team. You can also talk the Rams into just being their normal selves and saying that the void in the NFC gives them an opportunity and they're going to be in that conversation at the end of the year. Uh, I could be convinced either way, I think.
1: Yeah. You know, it really, it seems a lot depends maybe on, uh, especially just how the Rams come out of the NFC West, you know, and and right now the 49ers seem like the biggest contender out of the other three teams. And yet, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo and with the injuries, Trent Williams is going to be out for a little while and already seems to be piling up. And you just kind of see that even the 49ers at one and two, Lot uh, and they're only win coming over the Seahawks, a team that really doesn't seem to have any, you know, chance of competing. And so, just that alone, to me, the the number one factor to winning the Super Bowl is just making the playoffs. We've seen enough Super Bowl champions come out of a wild card slot or you know just a three seed or a four seed that I just think don't worry about it. See if you can get hot at the right time. You know, the the Bengals almost pulled that off the 49ers almost pulled that off last year. And, you know, those were mediocre regular season teams for the most part, a little bit above average, of course, but for the most part, you know, it's just like not the big favorites, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tom Brady. So just getting to the playoffs, you know, I think the Rams have to feel a little bit more optimistic about that. Although there wasn't like, it it felt like a good proposition going into the season, of course, seems like maybe a little bit more so now just based on the the, how bad the 49ers have looked a couple times and how you know how the Cardinals haven't come out even when you think DeAndre Hopkins gets added back into the rotation there like to what degree are the Cardinals historically under Cliff Kingsbury in his previous career a not a second half team to say the least and so you know it just seems like this is the Rams opportunity to just hey, get off to a nice, let's say nine and three start, maybe you'll have, you know, very short road to go just to secure a playoff uh, position at that point. Um, Do you think uh, that the, you know, I think we kind of discussed this already, but yeah, just in terms of, you know, one thing was, uh, I was thinking about, you mentioned the Packers who, without, Devani Adams this year, you know, so far, and I don't want to put it all on Devani Adams, because I think that's uh, oversimplification, but they're 27th in scoring right now. The defense, first in third down defense, uh, and they've been a very good defense because they have great players uh, at all three levels there, uh, first in third down defense, Rams. 26th and third down defense. I don't want to oversimplify third down conversions either. There's a lot of different situations and reasons in such a small sample size for that. But any thoughts about uh, things that the Rams need to clean up on defense going into, you know, this next game against the 49ers?
0: Yeah, and the the Rams statistics as a team, like the, the situational statistics, the yardage production, points production, it's going to be skewed until you get a large enough sample size where that Bills game really comes in the rearview mirror. So I understand the Cardinals probably had a lot of first downs, but situationally, they were not very good against the Rams. And the the Rams forced them into a lot of third and longs and made passes, made stops happen when they needed them. So uh, I think it's really it was really encouraging performance in that regard. And the longer this Bills game gets behind us, the better the team's going to look, I believe. But they still they haven't faced a true test yet and perhaps this is what the first game in that regard against the 49ers where, you know, this is a team you just played in the NFC championship game. This is a big test and this is going to give us a look in the mirror and see who you are. And if you're ready to compete, even though just as you are hobble on the offensive line, so are the 49ers and you know, they're also missing their starting quarterback, but Jimmy Garoppolo, he's probably the, the best backup in the NFL. So, um, this is if you beat the 49ers and you do it in a convincing way, this there's a lot of reason to feel good about this 2022 Rams team, I believe.
1: Who are your uh, top five quarterbacks in the NFC? I wonder, because that's really interesting to think about once you get to the playoffs too. just the quarterback match, uh, which, you know, who's got the advantages there at quarterback. Usually a lot of the these guys are rising and getting into the playoffs with their teams. And I'm looking at the Rams schedule. 49ers, Cowboys, Panthers, 49ers, really uh, the next four games, not a lot of uh, intimidating factors there. I think a quarterback or maybe a combination of quarterback and receiver, depending on whether or not the Cowboys have Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush. But even if it's Dak Prescott, you know, at this point, maybe it's the best time to face Dak Prescott. Um, so I'm just curious because the, the schedule gets a lot harder in the second half for the Rams, you know, apparently we'll see what happens. Um, But who would you say are your top five quarterbacks in the NFC?
0: Yeah, I think you got to start with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, even though they're part of the old guard, but really no one's dethroned them yet and they belong in the top two slots. And then someone who's really inserted themselves in this conversation this year, even though it's early and, you know, Josh Allen had an amazing start to the season and you know he's maybe fallen off a little bit, but Jalen hurts. He looks incredible through three games. He's doing it with his legs. He's doing it through the air. And I think he's even been surprising and uh, surprisingly effective as a passer. And especially, you know, having A.J. Brown, of course, helps. It, it certainly doesn't have, you know, having a receiver that caliber doesn't hurt your team. But I think that's the top three. I believe someone like Kirk Cousins belongs in there. And he, he's not going to make backbreaking mistakes. He's always going to keep you in the game. He just might not do enough to get you over the hump uh, to be a really elite competitive team. But that five spot's hard to tell. You got to, there's a lot of guys in that conversation and over a, the season we're gonna find out who really belongs in that regard but you know someone like Matthew Stafford Kyler Murray, um, maybe even the star Jared Goffs had of the season you put him in there number five so um, I think it's gonna be whoever separates themselves in that regard that's you know you're gonna you're being talking about a playoff team you're gonna be talking about a division winner and it's really gonna be a small group competing for the NFC championship this year I believe
1: yeah you know. I brought this up when Matthew Stafford was acquired sometime in the 2021 off season. I brought this up and I wrote about, you know, when the Rams acquired Matthew Stafford, I said, you know, this could be one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFC within two years, just because when he started looking around at all the teams, It was like well this guy's getting pretty old this guy wants to leave his team this guy you know could fluctuate go other way or this guy's you know uh maybe a couple years away or you didn't know what you were going to get and even if Matthew Stafford you know uh wasn't the best I thought look at he's not in the AFC he's not over there with those guys he's over here with these guys and you know not necessarily knowing or expecting Jalen Hurts to join the conversation it was like Hey, I, I think that this isn't too hard to see if Russell Wilson gets out of town. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to get out of town, which that didn't happen, of course. But it was like, there's not like a lot of intimidating players, you know, Tom Brady being 45. It was like, it seemed plausible, you know. So I, I do see at that point now where looking around the league, it's like there's a lot of teams that don't really have a good quarterback, the Giants. The commanders, in my opinion, the Bears, whether that's now or, you know, if you think he's going to get better, that's great. But for right now, uh, not so much. The Saints, you know, Jameis Winston not looking super good recently and is injured uh, right now. Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Geno Smith, and now you've got the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. And then you could put Jared Goff, maybe he's hovering in between one of those two, just in terms of you know how he responds here, because uh, it looks like the Lions are going to be without DeAndre Swift against the Seahawks in week four. They're going to be maybe without Amon Ross St. Brown. They're going to be maybe uh, without some of their starting offensive linemen. So it'll be interesting to see how Jared Goff plays in that one, even though neither the Lions or the Seahawks have uh, a top 30 defense. So uh, it could be a lot of scoring in that one, perhaps but then you just don't know what those offenses either. Um, yeah. I think Stafford's not too far away, at least from maybe being in that conversation with regards to maybe other quarterbacks, you know, talking about the 49ers situation at quarterback going into the season with Trey Lance. Um, and then obviously moving over to Jimmy Garoppolo. It was an interesting situation because the whole off season, I thought, do you really want to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, nobody's going to take on his salary. You're going to have to either cut him probably or pay him a lot of money to not, which doesn't also make sense. And, you know, it's, it's like, you can't, do you really trust Trey Lance already? And so I wasn't that surprised that Jimmy Garoppolo stayed at, at the end of the day, but I did think, you know, back in the 2021 draft, I was, I was positive that they had traded up for Mac Jones. Uh that to me was like, oh, well, if you insert Mac Jones into this team right now, or at least have Mac Jones as like a guy who's gonna compete with Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers could win the Super Bowl. And I think that's an interesting question uh to ponder, uh, JV, you know, the going back to that draft last year and all the speculation about the trade, giving up two future first round picks to move up nine spots. It didn't even seem necessary. It still doesn't really seem necessary. Uh, what are your thoughts there if the 49ers had been in a position or uh, had taken that position to uh, choose Mac Jones instead?
0: Yeah. And if they would have taken Jones, he would have started right away because he's immediately a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's such a decisive and quick decision maker. He takes care of the football and you know, he has an underrated arm that he can really push the ball down the field and signal callers are pocket passers and you know game managers. They're not sexy, but they also never go out of style. And you look at what Tom Brady is doing into his late 40s. Um, you know, these mobile quarterbacks, they get hurt. They kind of are inaccurate and unreliable passers. And whenever the game is evolving to take away the deep, explosive passing game, you really just need a guy who can, who can take what the defense gives you over and over and over again. To effect to And there's not a lot of quarterbacks who are that patient in 2022. At least not anymore. So, pocket passers—they're never going to go out of style. They're always protected. They get injured a lot less often. And Mac Jones would have been an immediate upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. He would have played last year. And this 49ers team, in tw- with this year, uh, they'd be dangerous with someone like Mac Jones. And I know, you know, Mac Jones hasn't had a great start to the year, but the Patriots have really changed that offensive coaching staff. And I—I'm skeptical they put him in a situation where he could succeed. Um, So I wouldn't really say the 2020 version of Mac Jones, the 2022 version of Mac Jones, uh, even though he's maybe had a a step down from last year. If you have someone like Kyle Shanahan, who has an elite scheme, it's kind of a 10 cup offense where you never know what unheralded uh, player who's kind of fits outside the mold is going to step up in a big way. You know, sometimes it's George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, you never know where they're going to get their offensive production from and someone as smart as Mac Jones would he'd be elite at running that level of a scheme and the 49ers would be incredibly dangerous with him at the helm
1: yeah I thought that was very strange I I literally bet money that Mac Jones was going to make the pick because I was like wow he's he's the long shot out of the three quarterbacks he's the long shot to me it's like Kyle Shanahan and you know that offense and the timing for the 49ers to be like you could get a quarterback upgrade right now and you don't even have to trade up and it's like but if you did trade up just to make sure that Mac, because I was like, he's not as good of a prospect as Joe Burrow, but looking at how Joe Burrow finished off his career and then got all this hype going into a draft season and just rode that it wasn't like there was a lot of it wasn't like Joe Burrow was the guy you know, during that season, nobody really knew anything about him. And uh, until that, you know, he had his only season uh, full season as a starter with LSU. And I was like, you know, Mac Jones had a similar kind of meteoric rise. I know he's surrounded by good players there at Alabama, but so are a lot of, you know, burrow and a lot of other quarterbacks. So it wasn't outlandish to me to think of him as a top three pick. And so I thought that was going to be the pick for sure. And I do agree that he would have uh, he would have been a good fit for that offense. And I also think, you know, uh, his stats might not be good right now, but watching him play, I think he looks a lot better than he looked last year and he looked okay. Last year, there are times that I'm kind of like a little doubtful of Mac Jones still, but I do think like watching him play, I'm like, Oh, his arm's stronger than I thought. Oh, he's like kind of a more, creative playmaker than i thought you know so that's something to uh definitely be monitoring i definitely agree that hey you know trey lance hasn't played for the 49ers at all you know outside a couple moments uh hasn't really played at all so just having a guy that's playing i mean this is a monumental loss uh that the 49ers have wasted on uh one player you're investing at that level In five years of a player's career. So, you know, at that point, if you get to the fifth year option, you know, obviously you want to get more out of that, but already the 49ers have gotten a 50% loss on that four-year contract because they just didn't get anything out of Trey Lance whatsoever. And that wasn't a first-round pick. That was three first-round picks. And it just still boggled it boggled my mind then, it boggles my mind now. It boggles my mind that people don't call John Lynch a bad general manager. You know, I I have to say that I'm still befuddled that I'm so alone on this. I know I'm alone on a lot of opinions, JB, but this one, I'm like, how can I be called crazy? I know that the 49ers have had two successful postseason runs out of, you know, five years. They've also had like some really crappy seasons they made a lot of really weird decisions. I thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was a weird decision. Um, You know, with his lack of experience, it really seems like between Garoppolo and and Lance, uh, it really doesn't seem like Shanahan and Lynch see any value in experience. You know, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo sat for all those years, has a couple of nice starts in a very friendly environment and they traded for him, but then they also gave him that huge contract after five starts and I thought he was a little overrated for the 5-0 and o record. Uh, and so I was always a little bit surprised by that. What are your thoughts on, you know, the 49ers moves? Because, you know, you could say they've made some good picks and they've obviously, uh, you know, come away. Some of their gambles pay off like Trent Williams and they have some some success some, sometimes. But if they don't win this game against the Rams, they're they're 1-3 and then the questions start to come up.
0: Yeah, it almost feels a bit, like a Bill Belichick in this post Tom Brady era where he used to just plugging guys in off the street and getting incredible production out of them because the supporting cast was so good. Sometimes I think Kyle Shanahan maybe thinks he's a little too smart or he's going to find a player that fits a certain mold and just plug him in and get it. And he's going to hit it off from day one. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he, when they're paired up, they have a awesome starting record and they're a formidable team. That's hard to beat, but uh, it just sometimes, like when you have Debo Samuel, Samuel, and you have Brandon Ayuk, are, are those great receivers? I don't understand. And you know, you have all these guys who do different things, but are they really masters of a certain like task and a certain ability that poses a threat to a defense? I don't. Really, I, sometimes it just seems like they're outsmarting themselves in a certain way, and they don't. They don't. Don't have dependable players like they don't have a Cooper cup when on third down you know he's getting the ball and he's just going to be better than you and I think uh, sometimes the scheme can only take you so far you also just need great players and the guys that they've brought in they're lacking in a lot of ways but um yeah it's it's interesting I, I think I wrote quite a while ago I think last year that whenever the, ran, uh, the 49ers had Garoppolo and Lance that they had mismanaged the quarterback position and heading into this offseason they did you know they had two starting quarterbacks those are very the valuable items, and you failed to maximize those by getting return on capital from Garoppolo in terms of a trade if you're committing to lance long term or just what you gave up to get him it, it's head scratching and um, it's probably a case study in how not to approach the quarterback position in terms of team building
1: i I agree, and I just cannot believe of all you know people love. Dragging general managers and owners and coaches through the mud for bad trades. Herschel Walker, Ricky Williams. I mean, it just, the list goes on, you know, and, and there's small bad trades. Like you could say, like, oh, did the Rams overpay for Jared Goff, you know, moving up for Jared Goff at a time when it wasn't considered like the strongest class, but hey, makes sense. And Jared Goff, they went to the Super Bowl, he helped them get Matthew Stafford. He was pretty okay. He sometimes at the end of the day. He played, you know, and it's like I'm not holding it against Trey Lance. I'm holding it against the 49ers. I'm just like, what? Why? Why would you do that? Um, Good for you. I mean, keep doing it, I guess. I just I'm stunned. People don't drag the Trey Lance trade through the mud just because it's like. Three first round picks. 49ers are not going to be picking in the first round next year they're not going to be picking in the first round the year after that and so they're stuck to figure it out with trey lance pretty much because i don't know well who knows what's going to happen with jimmy garoppolo this year and and when he becomes a free agent next year but this is the 49ers they're stuck with this and so maybe that's why john lynch and kyle shannon are are safe uh, no matter what happens this year, just cause it's like, well, this is the the bed that they made and nobody else maybe wants to be able to get out of it, you know? So, or maybe I'm completely, uh, on, un- you know, underestimating how good the 49ers are and they're going to go out there and win the NFC West. <laughs> how fearful are you of the 49ers, uh, getting a win on Monday night, knowing that yes, they have won the last six regular season games.
0: Yeah. And I think moving forward, there's no one you really trust more than Kyle Shanahan to develop Lance, but that's a 2023 and beyond issue, not not this weekend. And you know, Monday night's going to bring a great game. And I think the 49ers, in a lot of ways, have had have given the Rams trouble, especially on with the 49ers' offense versus the Rams' defense. I think the biggest change from last year is the insertion of Bobby Wagner in the middle of that Los Angeles defense. He's so stout against the run. And you know, Jordan Rodriguez in the Athletic wrote today on her piece with Bobby Wagner that you know he was watching. 49ers films uh, uh, ahead of the Buffalo Bills game in week one because the Bills came out running that, you know, quick toss play, the inside toss. And he knew it was coming because it gave the Rams such fits last year. And he played it well both times and got stopped. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan was able to manipulate the Rams in the ground game last year in certain ways to take advantage of that weak middle linebacker position for them. But then you have Ernest Jones comes into year two. He's really taken a step forward. You have Bobby Wagner now. I'd like to see the Rams just take away this ground game, put all the pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, these receivers that they're good in certain spots, especially off play action when they can get the ball down the field, but straight up, you know, they're not too impressive one-on-one. And if, if all the weights on the passing game, I don't think this 49ers team can get it done. And it's almost, it's almost doesn't matter what the Rams can get on offense, even though with this injury riddled offensive line, blocking someone like Nick Bosa is going to be a tough, tough task. And, um, I think it's on the defense to win this game again, similar to what we saw versus the Cardinals a week ago.
1: Yeah, it could be one of those types of games. I mean, we just saw the 49ers uh, lose 11 to 10, and it's like, you know, they've got good defense. The, The Rams have, you know, their issues on the offensive line. So it's not too crazy to see the 49ers defense stopping the Rams. It's not too crazy to think, 49ers offense kind of stopping themselves. Uh, one issue that for the Rams, you could say it was an issue last week, was definitely the secondary injuries. Whether or not they responded well enough, you know, 12 points allowed, no touchdowns allowed, you know, is another it was not necessarily an issue. Uh, but taking that to today, the Rams did not practice purport for Thursday. Brian Allen, Kobe Durant, David Long Jr and Jordan Fuller with Darian Kendrick limited. Uh, So those injuries in the secondary continue for now. Uh, There's still a few more days left until Monday Night Football, of course. What are your thoughts on the secondary that stepped up, you know, in uh, week three? And what are you expecting in week four?
0: Sure. Here's a shocking statistic in terms of PFF targeting numbers the most targeted player on the Rams defense is Darion Kendrick. He's played one game out of the three. So um, he has 16 targets. Jalen Ramsey also has 16 targets. And then, you know, Ernest Jones is in third with 15. So the next closest person is Taylor Rapp with 10. Um, he, so he's only played one game. The Cardinals went his way like pretty much the entire game and he didn't give up a big play. He was sure handed making the tackles and he was really impressive, but, you know, Kendrick has a concussion here in week four, um, seems uncertain whether he's going to play on Monday night. Maybe you get Kobe Durant back with his hamstring. Um, maybe you get David Long jr. Back, but you're still missing that veteran presence in Troy Hill. And I think he's going to, he would have been an incredibly important player to have against the 49ers just because he's so stout in the running game. And I don't know. That's a weird thing to say about a corner, but Troy Hill is so physical and he's so dependable and he can really set the edge in the running game. And that's, it's really important in this Rams defense. So, um, you got to force incompletions. Um, if Darion Kendrick is on the field, it'll be interesting to see if the 49ers go his way, similar to what the Cardinals did. But uh, maybe he proved that you know, you're know you not going to get the big play on him and he's sure handed with tackling and you're better off going somewhere else. But uh, I think it's pretty interesting. He leads the team in targets. He played one out of three games already.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just don't really know what to expect out of the 49ers' offense. and Jimmy Garoppolo, even though it's Jimmy Garoppolo and he's been there. You know, for this is his sixth season, you know, maybe five seasons in total or so. But he's been there for so long. He's Kyle Shanahan's, you know, most used quarterback in Kyle Shanahan history. You know, it's like they've had that long of a relationship together. But when you set, talk about, like, well, will they attack Darian Kendrick? It's just like those limited amount that I've seen, Jimmy Garoppolo, and what I recall at least, just doesn't, it doesn't even feel like this is an offense that is going to give their very exciting. Receivers and tight ends, any opportunities. And it's like that was always somewhat related to the way that I thought Jimmy Garoppolo played and why I didn't think he was a good quarterback ever, really. But it was like every time someone said, Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo led them fourth quarter comebacks. Like, I want, did you watch it? I mean, like he threw a three yard pass to George Kittle, who then took it 67 yards, you know, which is like, hey, not every quarterback does that. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo has a job. And I just don't really even, I can't even really picture him throwing the ball 15 yards downfield, hitting an out route or a back shoulder fade, or, you know, any of these difficult passes. And I just, Debo Samuel right now, by the way, 12 catches on 21 targets for 131 yards. Of course, a quarter of this comes with Trey Lance, at quarterback who, you know, the first game was insane in the rain and everything like that, whatever the passes, a lot of them were inaccurate. George Kittle has only played in one game. Brandon Ayuk ten catches on nineteen targets, 142 yards and a touchdown. I just see that there's it's just going to be an interesting, interesting challenge. You know, if Darian Kendrick is starting again and they target him 15 times, I I don't. I wonder if Darian Kendrick doesn't win most of those opportunities, even though it is, you know, Brandon Ayuk. Maybe I just these just, guys just don't move down the field. What are your thoughts on, you know, the, Raheem Morris and the defense, which has been criticized uh, sometimes by fans for giving up too many yards uh, to receivers by giving them such a large cushion at this line of scrimmage. Um, what are your thoughts on the Rams? Maybe just is this an intimidating offense to you at this point?
0: Sure, that's a good question. I did think one interesting note is that Trey Lance really had chemistry with IUC and Garoppolo seems to have chemistry with Samuel. So even during training camp, it seemed like when Lance was targeting Samuel, it was kind of ineffective and inefficient and they weren't connecting all the time. So maybe with Jimmy Garoppolo back, you see Debo Samuel really return to his standard and the expectation that we have for him of being a highly productive player. So I think that's something I'm going to keep watching, but you know, Raheem Morris, this bend-don't-break defense where you have a high volume of targets, but you're not getting down the field, you're, you force a quarterback to be perfect. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not the kind of quarterback who can be perfect. He's going to make errant throws. He's going to misread the defense and make bad decisions. And he's going to give you opportunities to create turnovers. And you know, it happens almost 5 to 6% of the time for him in terms of turnover-worthy plays. So if you force him to check the ball down all the time, he's only going 10 yards. Eventually, he's going to misread it and they throw so many passes over the middle. Ernest Jones, Bobby Wagner, they're going to get their hands on balls and it's tip drill and you can force turnovers and give the offense a, uh, another chance, another opportunity. Um, but whenever, like we saw Josh Allen on, on the Thursday night game in week one, he was doing the same thing. And even he wasn't able to be perfect. And he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL this year, where he was just off a little bit. And you saw, um, you know, as the slot receiver, for the for the Bills bobbled the catch and Terrell Lewis comes away with an interception. Or you know, Troy Hill jumps the route because he puts the ball behind his receiver just a little bit on one play. Um whenever that's Jimmy Garoppolo, you can you're gonna force turnovers and it's gonna be an encouraging result for the defense.
1: And uh do you know Brock Purdy, JB?
0: He was pretty impressive during the preseason, wasn't he? Uh Mr Irrelevant, right? Or pretty close to it.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was definitely, I was following quarterbacks for the draft, you know, in the last couple of years. And I think that Brock Purdy was one guy who I was like, oh, this is a guy I'm supposed to keep an eye on here at Iowa State and just didn't really ever, even though he had gotten off, he had started to get this buzz for, you know, having a very successful start to his career as a true freshman. And that often happens. Uh, Then it kind of just waned off. And it is interesting, Mr. Irrelevant made the team and you know the 49ers spoke pretty highly of him. as you say look good in the preseason there's talk about hey should Brock Purdy be starting we're talking about a seventh round pick the last pick um starting for a team that just went to the NFC championship not this week of course but it might happen the week after that you know because the 49ers don't have anybody else and they kept Lance Garoppolo and Purdy and they kept Purdy um for a reason so another interesting potential storyline there uh to watch develop in san francisco and you know this would be do you think that um who do you think needs this game more because as i said this this could be a two-game lead over the 49ers um and sort of exercise those demons by getting a win if you're the rams but the 49ers they're trying to avoid a one and three hole and to actually look like a decent offense at this point. So who do you think needs it more?
0: Well, the 49ers had a pretty rough start a year ago and kind of limped into the playoffs uh, by having an impressive play of late last season. So I think this this game really matters for the Rams. And you haven't really had a total team victory. Uh, Who knows what this team truly is. And if you can put a, a, a total team victory over the 49ers and do it in an impressive way, Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to feel good about this team and, you know, being three and one heading into some, you know, you got the Cowboys after that, not to look too far ahead, but that someone like the Panthers, um, this is really, you have an opportunity to grab a commanding lead in the division at that point.
1: We said that they've had a lot, they do have a lot of talented players um, on offense and defense. Some guys that, you know, people all around the league go, oh man, I wish that guy was on this team. I'm curious if you could pick one player on the 49ers who was maybe your favorite player to watch or maybe just a guy that would make a huge difference if he was on the Rams.
0: Oh, it has to be Nick Bosa. He's probably the best edge rusher in the NFL. Super athletic. Um, if you put him opposite Leonard Floyd, it would be Von Miller times 10 probably. Uh, you know, he's at the height of his career in the prime condition and he would be disruptive next to Aaron Donald.
1: Yeah, how does that happen? You know, is that, you know, this, this fact that I just blows my mind, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, you know, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa It's a combination of genetics and upbringing, I guess, but it's just so mind blowing that something so difficult to do and achieve in life, not just making the NFL, but being a top pick and, and being a dominant player in this league is something that can cross over. So, you know, regularly, I guess, can somewhat saying, um, what do, do, do you, uh, have any, uh, theory there on, do you think it's genetics or do you think it's upbringing? Maybe, do you have a favorite brother who, uh, brother pair in the league, uh, in history?
0: Oh, wow. Something I never thought about before today, but, um, yeah, Nick Bosa, he's head and shoulders better than his brother, Joey, probably where, you know, Joey may be a little bit out of a scheme fit in Brandon Staley's defense whenever he would had to switch from a 4-3 defense t- to stand up at outside linebacker, sometimes drop into coverage, he just seems uncomfortable. And I don't think we've really seen him hit his stride in the last couple of years. So uh, Nick is such a better player in my eyes, but, um, you know, and you have like the Watts too. Not only is there two, there's oh, yeah, three the of Watts. them. That's pretty incredible. So, um, wow. Uh, they must have incredible parents that taught them discipline okay. and the value of hard work. And maybe that's the difference where, uh, or maybe you come from a family where you don't have much and you and your brother know it's your only ticket out and you, you make every opportunity to make that happen, but really is an incredible story. And you've know, got to give credit to their upbringing too.
1: Is Brandon Staley, you know, somebody that you think is going to work out in the NFL as a head coach?
0: Well, I think first of all, defense is the most volatile side of the ball and you're you're hiring an offensive coordinator that's coming in to work with your quarterback if he has remotely any success, teams are going to poach the offensive coordinator and you're relying upon who you hire to get the most out of your franchise quarterback every year. So you're going to have good decisions that you make in that regard in terms of the person, the coaching staff, you're going to have bad decisions. And I think, you know, defense, you might be good. You might be that best defense in the NFL one year, and you have a lot of shortcomings. And we've even seen that from the Rams defense, right? Where there's not a lot of changes in terms of personnel and star players, but, the production can really be volatile from year to year. So I think it's just really hard to do it as a defensive coach. Um, I think he's made a lot of questionable decisions too. And it seems like, uh, you know, whenever you have veteran players like Joey Boza, you're asking him to maybe not, you're not putting him in the best positions for him to be successful based on his skill set. It seems like a lot of veteran players in that locker room based off, you know, social media posts, whatever, are kind of questioning the direction and the approach of this team. So I think Brandon Steyer might be in trouble
1: yeah i think he might be too and that's so interesting because it's one of these things where and this is pretty common you know sean mcveigh was not the consensus best hire of 2017 you know i've written about this before a lot of people called it you know this is the fifth this is the sixth uh best hire of their cycle you go back to who the good hires were in 2017 and they all got fired and brandon staley was the big get as a defensive coordinator for Sean McVay. And he probably had his choice of any job in the league that was available in 2021. And the chargers, as you say, they have successfully successively given up more points each year with Staley from the year before to way more last year. And he's even allowing more this year. Although, you know, small sample size, a lot goes into, you know, the job of defense is more than related to points. But you know, that's the game. You want to win, you got to score more points. And the Chargers also don't have a good offense with Joe Lombardi, despite having Justin Herbert. I know they have been dealing with injuries, but that's too uh you had too many things on your plate. You know, you had too many advantages, Brandon Staley. You went to a fantastic roster to begin with. So, you know, that's a game that's coming up this year. Rams, Chargers, um, before we do eventually get out of here, I'm curious your thoughts on maybe I talked about the first half schedule thoughts on maybe the toughest matchup for the Rams in the uh, second half schedule. You've got the Buccaneers, you've got the saints, you've got the chiefs, you've got the Packers, you've got the Broncos, the chargers Um, among those teams. Who would you say is maybe the toughest game for the Rams?
0: Yeah. And they're all coming a really short amount of time. Uh, I don't think this Chiefs t- team looks that potent. You play them in late November. Uh, you got the Raiders coming to town on a Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, I think probably this Chargers team could th- give you fits in a lot of ways. But, um, wow, well, I mean, the amount—just all these great quarterbacks—all coming in a certain stretch of the schedule—it's going to be a gauntlet. So, um,
1: yeah, and you know, you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football in Lambeau Field, which is, wow. you know, that's a. <laughs> That's been the trifecta of pain. sometimes, you know, it's just like, uh, you don't want to go out there and have the same result that the Rams had in the, in the uh, divisional round a couple years ago.
0: The only game Sean McVay's won against Aaron Rodgers, you know, his kick returner fumbled the ball and he never got a chance to go out and win the game in the fourth quarter. So other than that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has knocked McVay out of the playoffs. He's beat him a couple times in the regular season too. So um, yeah, that's a hump you have to get over at some point. uh, in order to be an elite team in the NFC. Because if you played the Packers last year, it could have been a different story in terms of winning the Super Bowl.
1: We also got to talk a little bit about just like the depth chart, the roster, three games into the season. There was a lot of talk about uh, before the season, oh, this guy's going to play well. This guy is going to be a big part of the team. This guy we didn't hear anything about. And, you know, we've got some more evidence here. A lot of these questions um, are emanating from the wide receiver room where Cooper cup is still very Cooper cup. And then it's kind of weird. Alan Robinson hasn't quite lived up to expectations based on what he had done in his past, but also, you know, just all the reports out of camp. Ben Skournick is the number two receiver in terms of, you know, yards and catches and maybe opportunities Tutu Atwell, nowhere. Brandon Powell, somewhere. So for those four receivers, leaving Lance McCutcheon out of it and leaving Cooper Cup out of it, how shocked are you uh, with like the rotation between Atwell and Powell and then Robinson and Skarnik? Do you think this is something that will continue um, for the rest of the year?
0: Well, I'm not too shocked that scarnick has been on the field for as long as he has. We talked about he might out-snap at well, even though I maybe figured he'd have more production, but it is absolutely shocking that the Rams have taken a special teams type player and inserted it over a player they just drafted in the second round a year ago. So whenever most teams, when they draft players in the first three rounds, they're expecting to get a starter within the next the first one or two years. Right. And even though the Rams might have a different approach where they draft guys maybe a year before they need them and give them, get them in the building and develop them internally. Uh, a second round pick is still extremely valuable by their standards because you know it's usually their highest pick in most years. They didn't even have a second round pick this year. So um, whenever you talk about the value you could have got, maybe someone like Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm not I'm should I even say Creed Humphrey, who knows? But um <laughs> just yeah, Tutsubatwell has been a startling absence on offense most of the year. And every week they talk about we had a game plan for him, we had a game plan for him. And At this point, it just seems like coaches speak and there's got to be more to the story that we know uh, that we that isn't clear yet.
1: Yeah. And we know that uh, Van Jefferson will return at some point, but that's going to be even longer now. And who even really knows what, you know, we can't really have anything to go off of in terms of, well, what's Van, Van Jefferson's plan? Because we assume X, Y, and Z, but we've only really had one year of Van Jefferson we've seen sometimes the expectations of players changes considerably uh, year to year. So we'll see what happens. You know, certainly it's a better roster when Van Jefferson returns. And it just seems like with Tutu Atwell, you know, it, I almost wonder if you're, cause it doesn't necessarily happen all the time, but I'm like, oh, so when the Jets hold on to Denzel Mims for too long or the Cardinals hanging on to Andy Isabella for too long, and I'm sure that their fans and their coaches are also doing the speeches of, we were gonna, we want to, we try, we like, we don't like, you know, it's like, maybe you just, do you just not like the player? And you why don't you just, you know, say something about that? Um, because it's just like, well, this now just seems like an inevitability. If Tutu Atwell can't, it's not even that Tutu Atwell is buried on the depth chart. As you say, well, he's on the depth chart below Brandon Powell. So that means that clearly those could be Tutu Atwell's plays and you don't trust him as much as you trust Brandon Powell. Well, what's going to happen next year in the year after that? And it's like, that's where you get in those situations, like Denzel Mims being inactive a healthy scratch every week and wanting to be traded in the Jets saying no, you know, and it's like, that's fine, I guess. But really, I just don't, I don't really see a lot of receivers ever have success in the NFL if they haven't shown something in two years. So that's kind of just whenever someone goes it's like, and I'm the most patient guy, I think with a lot of these situations, I don't consider rookie years to be real years whatsoever but this is now a real year for Tutu Atwell. He's healthy and he's behind a lot of other guys. I just don't have, and I'm asking, you know, anyone out there, you can tell me, I'm asking for examples of guys who are healthy and just not being participants in the offense for two years to then go on to have productive careers. It's very, very rare. Some guy that comes up. Maybe someone like
0: Zay Jones comes to mind. He's a pretty high draft pick and you know, didn't find success with the original team, the Bills, but, you know, did catch on with the Raiders, now the Jaguars. So uh, he seems like – it's the fact you can only come up with one or two examples says how rare it is, and, you know, the longer this goes on, the more trouble Atwell's probably in.
1: You're uh, not wrong. You know, Zay Jones definitely, you know, is a guy that's coming on. And I, I I'm not saying that I knew this, but pulling up Zay Jones' stats – He actually was targeted 74 times as a rookie and 102 times in year two. So that is a guy that has that, oh, he's performing better than he did in the beginning of his career, but he still had almost 200 targets. So Tutu Atwell, you need to get out there and get some targets or something, because now you're way behind Zay Jones, and that's even worse. Um, One guy that came to mind, but it's old is Jimmy Smith from the 90s with the Jaguars, another Jaguars guy. Uh, I believe he did. he was on, you know, practice squads or moving around the league. Uh, and then it came on later, but it really is hard to do. Um, and so that's concerning if you're a Tutu Atwell fan, which I consider myself to be. I would rather at least see him out there failing, but you can't do that on the Rams. You can't do that on a team. That's uh, that's another thing. Uh, that I should add as a caveat then, Jeremy, which is that at the time the Bills, well, they were an okay team. They were like Sean McDermott's beginning of his career, Um, but not like a great team. So you got to be able to perform at a high level here with the Rams. And so that may be one reason why Tutu Atwell is not out there. Um, One more on the defensive side of the ball. It seems like for these secondary injuries and these cornerback injuries, Grant Haley is more valuable to the defense than Robert Rochelle, who was a fourth round pick last year. We could have a whole other podcast maybe about last year's draft. Cause I think that there's a lot of questions and it's like, all... wow, that was the first year without Brad Holmes. And I don't know if that's related. He is the director of college scouting. That looks like a rough, rough draft to me. Um, so far, Robert Rochelle seems to have moved behind Grant Haley, perhaps. What are your thoughts there?
0: I mean, I just, my answer is I don't know, because the way the Rams talked about Rochelle during training camp is that he was going to be a big part of the plan, and, you know, even though Ramsey and David Long Jr. and Troy Hill were slated as the starters, he seemed like the number four guy, and ahead of Kobe Durant, Darion Kendrick, Grant Haley, who flashed in the preseason, is picking up right where he left off. He looks excellent, especially when you talk about making plays at the line of scrimmage and in in screen plays, running plays. He looks fantastic, so uh you know maybe Rochelle is a bit more eye candy than production because he's such a big frame he's such an elite athlete that maybe he's not that good of a football player um and you draft him kind of as a project and it's kind of surprising but maybe at the end of the day that's what he is this is a professional football league you have to be you have to be good at football
1: <laughs> yeah you definitely have to be good at football and uh Yeah, last year's draft, it seems like Ernest Jones in round three and Ben Skoranek in round seven, two saviors of that class so far. And uh, I believe undrafted free agent AJ Jackson may get a honorable mention. Um, Jonah Williams, maybe it's uh, and uh, Grant Haley, was he an undrafted free agent last year?
0: He might have he might be have been around for a while. I'm not too sure. But yeah,
1: maybe he was with the Falcons. Actually, he was with the Falcons before. So yeah, so something like that. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, JV. Rams, 49ers, Monday night football opportunities for both teams to make, you know, statements in the NFC West and you know, three wins in the NFC out of your first four games. The only three and team in the NFC is the Eagles three wins you could be in first you could be in the one seat by the end of the week if everything fell exactly right perhaps so that's just a perspective that hey the rams who have some things to clean up some things to figure out are on the precipice you know of still being one of the top teams in the nfc if not already and it'll be interesting to see if it was, this is a great opportunity to just roll through the first half of the schedule, get as many wins as possible, because as we said that second half is a lot more brutal looking than the first half. So um, that's it for this episode of the turf show times podcast, hit subscribe on a podcast app somewhere and you'll have this, you'll have last minute thoughts, um, which JB, when will you be uh, doing last minute thoughts this week? Since it's a MNF
0: monday night you don't want to miss it it's always it's always a hit and i love going back and forth to everyone in the comments so it should be a lot of fun
1: all right and uh then we're gonna have that after party show so uh, come and listen to the instant reaction and so that's it for this episode of turf show times Find us on twitter find us somewhere else find us over there and find us over here and we'll see you next time on last minute thoughts the turf show times podcast